we all just need to unplug. Absolutely. It's <laughs> like a metaphor for, for what's going on in the world, man. We need a reboot. Can I can I start 2020 over again? Please. Oh, come on. <laughs> where's, that, where's that breaker switch? <laughs> and you know what it's so Carrie, do we have to tell Janet what we, we call it? We have two names for our drinks. It's either the the Zucatini <laughs> or the Zuccarini Quarantini. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think? I love them both. We have a bit too much time on our hands. Yeah. <laughs> well, cheers to you. You are amazing. Cheers to you. Sorry. We we we. Know I'm having I'm having the Zucca Vino. Ooh. Very that. nice. Very nice choice because day drinking does happen. Yes, it does. You know, um, desperate, you know, times, desperate measures. Absolutely. Well. Honestly, thanks for doing this. You met, you've met Carrie. Carrie and I are having so much fun doing this show because everybody's having the same. It doesn't matter. Like you said, everybody's going through this and we just wanted to reach out to people and, and have them share their stories and get to know them a little better because I had so much fun meeting you and I thought, yeah, she seems really cool. <laughs> Thank you. It was great meeting you as well. Yeah. So where are you now are you yeah. in toronto or are you in la i'm in i'm in la i predominantly live here and I, I pop back into toronto even though i have more restaurants in toronto um i'm just calling la my home right now mainly because well you know robbie's here and the sun always shines it does yes it does and it it helps your uh, mental state for sure no matter where you are in your mental state you're going to be 10 percent happier when the sun shines it's Absolutely. true. We had a polar vortex here two weeks ago in May. Because I know it's been so hard in Toronto and it's depressing. And Toronto went through, you know, a long, hard winter. The spring is terrible. You know, the coronavirus, a global pandemic. I mean, it's hard. People are going to, I hear the weather's turning today. I hear it's about maybe 20 degrees or something. Yeah, I think we, we're, yeah, I'm up in Caledon, so we're just about at 20. The trees, we don't even have leaves on the trees yet. I know Carrie's going, ah. Oh. But it's, it's like depression on top of depression. I, I really, yeah. Mm. Anyway. Are you, are you able to travel back and forth right now with the borders being closed? Is that a possibility for you? I flew to Toronto early March to open up a restaurant, which had been under construction for a few years. And it was a big uh, project for me, you know, over 9,000 square feet, uh, this building that, um, you know, my architects did this incredible job. We, we just uh, became um, a finalist in the uh, it's Global Hospitality Design Awards. Wow. And uh, seven, uh, 175 entrants in my category were one of four. Um, wow, and congratulations. Thank you. It's, I mean, it's kind of nice to have that, but I flew to Toronto to open this restaurant, had it open for just a few weeks and closed for COVID. And, you know, the ramp up to, you know, train a hundred staff, we've been training for the last two months, is just, is just heartbreaking. And the amount of energy that goes into opening a restaurant, mm -hmm. you know, it's been heartbreaking to, to, you know, you know, I temporarily closed eight of them. So it's all, it's all heartbreaking. But we're, you know, we're back up and running and, you know, we're, we're finding our way like we, we all have to. I mean, you, yeah. you literally is doing this show and everyone right now, 
if you're if you're out of work, you're going to have to find a way to pivot and be creative and make yourself relevant and find a find different revenue streams right now. If you can't make the revenue streams how you were making it before. Well, you talk about the restaurants opening back up. How do you see? Because listen, experiences. Carrie and I are both foodies. We we love not just going to the restaurant for the food, but the social experience. You know the the camaraderie and the all of that and with social distancing how do you see restaurants even being able to open now in well, that we've been told now that uh, los angeles will open july the 4th okay. and july the 4th um which is going to be crazy wait i'm sorry i need a drink <laughs> <laughs> oh july the 4th that reminds me to drink oh and what a day i mean <laughs> So we know, we know what it's going to look like because other countries have opened up and we're going to follow suit in Canada and the U.S. And you're going to be allowed to seat at about 50% your capacity. You're going to have to space your tables out six feet apart. Anyone who has patio space, you're going to be in, a, in better shape. People feel safer and are safer outdoors. Okay. So utilize all of your patio space. If you don't have a patio space, then reach out to your local government or your government, which we've been working with, to spill out onto the sidewalks, spill out onto public space. So with Felix, I don't have any patio space. And we went to the landlord to say, there's a back parquet. Can we use the back parquet? And can mm -hmm. we spill out into the sidewalk? So that's all been approved. Wow. And we're gonna be able to now for the first time seat people outside. Great. Uh, servers, we're, we have our architects right now designing really cool face shields that look, you know, look kind of cool, but yeah. your servers will be wearing face shields. We'll probably be taking the temperature of people coming into the restaurant. Our staff, we're gonna be taking the temperature twice a day. There's gonna be ramped up hygiene for everything, washing down everything, um, you know, throughout the day. There's gonna be hand sanitizing stations everywhere. There's gonna be, you know, laneways, like you walk one way this way, one way mm -hmm. out, so you're not mm -hmm. crossing people. And everything touchless. So touchless menus, download your menu on a phone, uh, touchless payment. I didn't think phone. about that. I didn't think about a menu. Yeah. Well, they're, they're doing here, they're doing the um, disposable menus. At least they're trying to do that. So yeah, you know, it's not good for the planet, but we are going to have, you know, not everybody has a smartphone, yeah. but it will have to be disposable or you could have it laminated and you're, you know, you're rubbing it down, but we want to make sure that customers feel safe and that they are safe and that our staff is safe and nobody's going to want to touch a menu, no matter even if you've wiped it down. I think it's better to go disposable or we're yeah. going to be moving to digital now in this world of um, needing to be super hygienic. Yeah. And at what cost? I mean, geez. So with 50% capacity, what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of different questions I have for you. I mean, there's, what does that mean financially for you? Because 50%, can you still run a restaurant with those kinds of numbers? What happens is obviously we'll be making 50% or less, probably less than 50%, but maybe the maximum is going to be 50%. And what this global pandemic has exposed is this inherent weakness in the restaurant business that we run on razor thin profit margins, yeah. which is why we're seeing these iconic restaurateurs closing down permanently. So unless that we get breaks with our rent, 
and we get help from the government. So we're going out and renegotiating with all the landlords to say, look, you were with us in the good times, you have to be with us in the bad times, and you have to take a cut in the rent until we get to the other side. And so some landlords, you know, they may say, no, you're gonna have to pay full rent. And then my response is, you need to take the keys. I will never survive. Just take the keys. Yeah. I'll, I'll come back to this, you know, when it's, you know, safe to open up a restaurant and when we can seat it 100%. Mm -hmm. So most of the landlords have been working with us and the, you know, the projects look like they will survive. You know, when I woke up one day and I had to close down eight operations and I have four under construction and <laughs> Felix, Felix remained open. So nine restaurants, another four under construction, all the construction sites being funded by a strong stream of revenue from nine restaurants. Mm -hmm. Take my revenue to zero, all of my money out on construction sites. You know, each restaurant costs millions and millions of dollars cash to open. Yeah. So I have all yeah. this money out, all of my money out on these construction sites. You know, I go to zero uh, revenue and, you know, my entire industry was decimated, but I was personally brought to my knees. Okay. Uh, had they, you know, had this pandemic caught me a year ago, I would have had plenty of money in the, in the bank. We say like, let's ride this out. But yeah. I was in my, you know, biggest growth year of my career. I've been in the restaurant business 24 years. Mm -hmm. I was opening five restaurants in 2020. One had just opened. And that was, that cost me $9 million to open a 9,000 square foot restaurant Oh my God. I open, I immediately close. This gorgeous building is, is now getting, you know, finalist in, in awards for this closed <laughs> restaurant. And um, our, heart, our heart breaks for you, really. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was um, you know, I, I was, like I said, I was really brought to my knees uh, for, you know, it was a few days of really thinking that I could lose everything. Yeah. And then, you know, I had to, you know, pick myself up and dust myself off and say, Listen, I'm not alone in this. Uh, the world is in this. The hospitality industry has been decimated. So as retail now, you know, we're gonna have, you know, commercial real estate. And like I said, the domino effect in the supply chain is devastating. So if we come together and we work on this together to say, you know, okay, landlords are gonna take a cut, banks, give me a break, government can you, you know, can you and give us some come. That's another thing too, getting the people through the doors. Hey, it's safe. We have a good environment for you and, and that message has to get out there because I think there's a lot of fear still in, in people around the world. Yeah, but you know, what's the alternative here for the next two years when we have to live with this virus? It's not going anywhere. I think, I think it has to be a balance between people's health and the economy. We yeah. don't live in a world where they can shut everything down and they can print money. People, you know the suicide rate? I just I've, heard Sanity. in LA. Yeah. In LA. Um, this one, you know, police officer saying that he would would get personally one suicide a week. He gets five a day. Yeah, it's huge. Mental health well, is we, a huge issue right now. Yeah, yeah, I know. And uh, you know, people losing their businesses and their livelihood and having trouble getting putting food on the table. Right. This is also deadly. And yeah. um, so I, I've always, from day one, said. We need we need to have a balance here. We need we need to find that safe way to live with the with the virus. We can't shut down the world and, and, and not operate. I'm not in agreement with that. I love what you've done though with your restaurants for helping the hospitality workers, you know, where people can donate an extra on their takeout orders, they can yeah. give an extra twenty bucks and that can actually help you bring 
food to healthcare workers. I mean, how lucky are those healthcare workers to get food from you? I know. I mean, you know, it's, you know, we always look for ways to give back and what's more important right now than the healthcare workers at the front of the line and dealing with, you know, you know, this exposure to this virus, you know, they're really putting their lives at risk. Yeah. And, you know, people, a lot of people have the choice to stay at home and they really don't. And also the suicide rate is very um, high with healthcare workers as well. So um, it's a, a cause that is very important to us. And we're just so thrilled that all, all of my restaurants, uh, you can donate meals to uh, healthcare workers. Thank you. Super cool. Okay. I want to know, tasting food all day, working at a restaurant, how do you stay so beautiful and thin and svelte? Thank you. Well, um, I'll tell you. I, I do intermittent fasting, to be honest. Intermittent fasting. As do we. And, you know, I just, you know, stuff food in that pie hole for eight hours a day. <laughs> and and um, you know what? It really works. And, you know, I, I, I balance what I eat. So if I left to my own devices, so I've been cooking like crazy, like I think a lot of people. I've gone, yeah. And, I go to the farmer's market and I pick the, the, the best food. You're satisfied with less when you, when your food is packed with nutrients, like going to the farmer's market and you know, I, you know, I eat a lot of fish and lean protein and, and then other times I'm, I'm having pasta and pizza and chicken milanese deep fried. But I, I, I feel that I feel that it's a balance and I, I love to eat everything, but I would say my first choice would be to go, to go healthy. And a little bit because I have to go out and check out restaurants or, you know, pre-COVID I'm going out a lot, checking out restaurants or eating at my restaurants. And I like to be able to taste everything. So a little thing that I follow, A, intermittent fasting, B, lunch is usually leafy greens or raw salad and a little bit of lean protein. Dinner, kind of all bets are off. I'll just like <laughs> eat whatever. And you know what? It works for me and for my lifestyle of wanting to try everything. Sure. But you know, I never, I never get to full. I don't like that feeling. I, I, I feel sick if I eat. I go, I go like, I go to eighty percent. I eat everything, and I'm like, I'm good. And I, okay. you know, yeah. Learn I with intermittent fasting. I don't eat as much either. We've been doing it probably. We started it because my husband has arthritis, and we did it for health reasons actually. But I found that I felt so much better on it and that I, I wasn't as hungry all the time when I was doing the intermittent fasting. And I love it. I do too. But you ask anybody, like any of my friends, I was like the breakfast queen and I would have breakfast that people would be like, what are you, I'd have like these big omelets or fried <laughs> eggs and bacon and avocado. I would go nuts like every morning with <laughs> breakfast. Just even skipping one meal, A, gives you more time in your day. Like if you were a big, I was a big breakfast person. So it took up time like mm -hmm. this and that, you know, cooking and eating and cleaning up afterwards. And also just more, like more energy in the mind, you know, like it just fuels your, your brain. Like instead of your brain working on digesting food or energy going to digesting food. Yeah, I feel that I, I'm just in love with it. This It gives me energy. Carrie's just, she's, just kind of new to it now, so she's trying it out, and she's still in the hangry stage. I am day three, and about <laughs> an hour before I was to let my thing on my timer on my app went off, I was like, I want to kill somebody for some <laughs> <laughs> you No, know, 
But Carrie, I, I wanted to as well, you know, and, and but life is habit and yeah. you are going to get, you are going to get so used to what this. What about uh, working out? Oh, sorry. What oh. about working out? Because I know you have your, your gym in your house in Toronto. What about LA? Are you able to do anything there with the lockdown? I belong, I belong to a tennis club. Tennis is my passion. My, my club just reopened. I played this morning. I'm so happy. It, it's made me feel the most normal. Just something back to my, my normal life. Yeah. I'm an active person. That's, that's, that's another thing about me. I'm not an athlete, but I, I'm active. And on lockdown for six weeks, I, I, I live in Venice Beach, so I'm right off the beach. Okay. And I would go for... I felt like Forrest Gump because I, I felt a lot of stress and I would just get out walking and I'd be like two hours. I can keep going. Yeah. I can keep going. <laughs> like, and I was working off the stress. So I was, I, I was doing like every single day a walk and if not a bike ride, a bike ride, a walk, but I would, I would be outdoors getting sunshine for two hours a day, yeah. every single day to manage my stress. So I'm, I'm just naturally, I, I need to be active or I just don't feel good. I don't sleep well. I don't, I don't just, you know, I need to, you know, you know, energy begets energy. So I think it's hard when you stop being active and then you try to get back into it. So I just, I'm just always on it. Cool. Now I met you, like we said, in 2018, when Robbie was getting the award that, that I got as well at the Toronto Conservatory of Music, yay. And I was surprised to see a top chef there how has music been a part of your life and do you like classical music do you like opera i love i think i love all genres of music and you know more recently i'm you know I'm a, i would say i wasn't exposed to country music and now I, I i love country music i love i love just good music mm -hmm. and anything you know it, it could even be hip-hop just from all genres, and Robbie is like that as well. He mm -hmm. exposes himself to all types of music, and I really love him for that. And he, so he keeps relevant, you know. But he, there'll mm -hmm. be artists, you know, he doesn't like. He does. He does like. You know, he thinks mm -hmm. Billie Eilish is really talented. Yeah. So why? And um, music, music is a huge part of my life. Always has been. And I think that there is this theory, though, that you connect, um, the like the strongest connection you have to music is the music that you listen to in high school. There's something that's happening in your brain development. Do you guys feel that way? Yeah, absolutely. The music. Up music. What's that? I read something that said the music that you listen to up until 30 is the music that you always go back to when you need comfort. After 30, your brain just shuts off and says, no, I don't want to listen to new music. It's really interesting. Yeah, that, that makes sense because I, I have this visceral reaction to you know, songs, especially in my high school years, where it just brings me back. And do you guys feel that way? I've been going back to them. It's funny because I have a gym downstairs in our basement in our house. And I've lost, by the way, eight pounds in, <laughs> in quarantine. It's crazy. You're an anomaly. All my friends are like, damn, you know, they've gained weight. But yeah, you, congratulations. That's great. Well, thank you. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I think I've been working out my, hmm? What, I Carrie? Think, I think everybody else other than Sandra has the COVID muffin top <laughs> happening. Well, I've been so, I've just been so frustrated. So instead of eating, I just went downstairs in the gym and been working out and 
And I'm going back to all the music from my high school years, you know, listening to Billy Joel and, and all this music. And it just made me smile. And yeah, it's, it's really funny. And I've not listened to classical music at all. And I shouldn't say that as an opera singer. I know. <laughs> why, but why do you suppose? Does it remind you of work or do you just want to break from it? What is it? Both. I think so. I think I wanted that comfort like I said before, as I said before, 30 years old, you know, you, that's your memories of happiness and times and, and opera was a part of my life before 30, but it was all those pop. Xanadu, remember Xanadu? I listened to Olivia John the other day and my husband's like, Sandra, what is that? Oh, oh my gosh. I don't know. Well, I, think, I think it's a very, very good point. Um, when we look at even trends right now with food, it's comfort food. Yeah. You know, when you, pizza sales are way up. Yeah. Carrie, you. Carrie yeah. helped in that statistic, <laughs> ordering a pizza. Pizzas, hamburgers, uh, pasta, lots of carbs. Uh, people are baking bread, not only because they've got, you know, some people have time on their hands and you know, it, this whole sourdough breaking. Yes. Trend that's going eat. on banana I get, bread. I can't get yeast. Do you have some yeast? We can't I get it. it. You know, my, my restaurants, we pivoted in Toronto and all the restaurants have groceries as well. So you can order groceries and we do have yeast. And that's, I think, our number one seller yeah. for our groceries. I can't get it up here. Well, you know, I'm uh, up in the boonies, so I'll, I'll no, have I know to nobody, nobody can get yeast. It's just, it's, isn't it just you just wonder why, why is this trend? Why are so many people onto this trend? It just, you know, you, we have to look at the psychology of what's going on, yeah. right? But, but people, generally the theme is, people are looking for comfort right now. There's, we, we are really attracted to and gravitate towards strong women. Mm -hmm. And in our business, women are really it's not strong ones. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a male-dominated field, as is yours. And yeah, we just wanted to know how you navigated that because what you've done is built this empire that is amazing and not very many women have done that. Um, so I was just really curious how you broke down those doors and if, I mean, how did you do it? And what would you give advice? What advice would you give to young entrepreneurs that want to do this? My father was an Italian immigrant, an older father. He had three daughters to, you know, and it was like the bane of his existence to have three daughters. He wanted sons. My father brought the first espresso machine to Canada and introduced <laughs> coffee culture. And so he was a pioneer. The kids, you know, in Italian families, the kids go to work. At 12 years old, I'd go to work for my father. And, you know, we're, you know, he was dealing with huge, heavy espresso coffee machines. And, you know, he would just say to me, go pick this up, we need to lift this over here. I'd be like a 12 year old girl. So he kind of, he raised me as the son he never had. So I would say that, you know, he would just tell me, you can do it, go do it. And, you know, he was an entrepreneur. And I would say that, so I do have this male energy that I, I, I really accept. And out of university, I, was a restaurant owner out of university. The only thing I've ever done is work for myself essentially. Okay. And so I came into the, my working world as a boss. 
So when I would see sometimes, you know, speaking to people or telling some men what to do in my restaurant and they'd look at me and uh, be like, why well, I gotta listen to this woman? And I would just look at them back and I'm like, well, when in Rome, like this is the only, like it's me, it's my, it's, you know, it's kind of my way or the highway. And so <laughs> I've just, I've just been in that position of being a boss. And because of, because of this kind of male energy and that I can do anything, uh, you know, and I've, I've only worked for myself. I've never had to really answer to anyone. So it's kind of been an easier path. And, um, you know, I've been kind of leaning in since day one. I, I don't, I have not had the issues, but I do recognize that in my industry, uh, we're talking female chefs and female owners in the world, we make up 5%. Yeah. So it's really, really a male dominated industry, but I've never, I, I've, I've never felt it. And I hire a lot of my leadership t team, they're women in my company, but I don't look to hire women. I look to hire the best person for the yeah. job. And yeah. it just so happens that I have a lot of women surrounded by a lot of powerful women. Well, you can see that watching you on Top Chef, you know, you can see that you are very focused and in charge. It, it reads to me oh. and I'm quite inspired by it. Thank you. Well, thank you. I love that story I read about your dad uh, making you sign a paper or something that said you wouldn't come back to him later uh, for money for a wedding. I, that was brilliant. Oh, you've done, I, you've done your research. I did. I, you know, yeah, my dad, a lot of people ask me, how did I get started? I say one day I just you know, opened a restaurant, but in my twenties, I asked my father for a little bit of the wedding money that he was setting. Like, you know, this is what Italian families do. Right. They put aside wedding money. Yeah. My sister, um, you know, got married at the age of 25 and she, I knew she got wedding money. And so I was about 23 or so. And I said, can I get some of that? Can I get that wedding money? I want to buy a condo. I don't, why would I, why would I want to pay rent? When I, and I said, when I'm going to move back from Italy, I'm going to want a condo. Uh, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get married. And like today I still haven't, I've never been married. So I was like, thank God I got that wedding money. And, um, you know, he was so upset and he made me, you know, he writes out that the day that you get married, Janet, you're not coming to me for any money. And um, so I, you know, I got a little bit of this wedding money, was able to buy a condo. Then when it came time to be, you know, to be, uh, you know, a partner in at Cafe Nervosa, I sold the condo and put that, that money. So that, that gave me a leg up. That's amazing. I love that story. I remember when I went to college and I said, dad, I, I'm going to go um, to study voice performance. And he said, well, wh what does that mean? And how much money can you make doing that? And I said, I have no idea. I think it's kind of like being an actor. And he said, well, you're not going to come back and live here. <laughs> and, uh, so you better make sure you can make some money at that. And I have made my money doing that. So I bought my first house. So there you go, dad. House of Verity, that's what we have. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a good feeling, isn't it? Knowing that, that you can take care of yourselves and provide for your family and all of that, doing what you love. Yeah. And that's for yeah. Yeah. And you will again. We all, we all will. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm in a very positive state of mind. And I see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> and again, I'm not alone in this. And, and there's some comfort and we're, we're, just, we're just in this together, you know, in so many industries affected in such a terrible, terrible way. But I don't feel that I'm gonna be shutting down any of the restaurants. I don't feel I'll be losing any of my buildings. Um, 
So I, that's all I wanted. I wanted a chance to rebuild and get people back to work, you know? Sure. Yeah. Talk to us a bit about your fashion style because you always look so put together. What There's, would you describe your style? Uh, you give me so many compliments. I don't know. <laughs> True. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. So put together, even on, even on, you know, when you're putting some silly Instagram thing up, you know, you always look done, done up. Oh, thank you. Well, it helps. My sister is a fashion designer. Uh oh, okay. Hers. Fleur de Her line is called Fleur de Mole, and she's based out of New York. And uh, that's been a company, I think it's about seven years old. And I, I say I get probably 80% of uh, my clothing from her. Nice. And she gives me a nice family discount. And I happen to love what she designs. So I would, I would say a big influence is my sister. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm we're watching, we're obviously watching Top Chef. And this is your fourth season on it? This is my fourth season. Ladies, you've done your homework. Yes. This, I, is, season, this is season eight for the franchise. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they switched up the cast four years ago, uh, this is our fourth season. Do you love it? I love it. And you know, every year, just become better friends with the judges and Eden, the host, and we just all get along so well. So it becomes a lot more fun. You know, the first year I felt a little bit like, um, I didn't know what was going on, right? You're just thrown in there and you just uh, sink, you know, swim or sink, basically. Yeah. And now you just know what you're doing. And it's, I mean, a great gig to get paid to eat food and talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eat it. You know, do you like it? Do you not like it? And why? Yeah. <laughs> but how do you deal with all that's so much tasting? How are you doing that? I can't even imagine the hours of filming. And I have to say, like, I'm, I mean, my, Sandra knows this, but my husband and I are huge foodies. I mean, we eat, we travel to eat at restaurants, to chefs' restaurants, because we just love chefs. To me, it's art on a plate, honestly. I say that all the time. But we're huge Top Chef fans here in the U.S. And I just was like, how do they do that? How do they eat all that food and everybody still looks amazing? I don't know. How do you do it? How do you survive Top Chef season when you're filming? Well, you know, I'm gonna, again, I'm going to say the intermittent fasting helps. So you can eat yeah. more, you know, and when you, when you skip a meal and you, you come to it and uh, you know um, let's say you, you could be eating 13 different dishes now you're not eating the entire dish but you do have to eat enough that you can judge it properly sure. okay. so um, you know you feel full a lot of times that would be it I'd go shoot you know eat those yeah. dishes 13 dishes and that would be it for me I, I just wouldn't have an appetite and so I'd be eating in like over stretched over a couple of hours that you're eating and filming but uh sometimes i, I wouldn't have dinner um other times i would have a super light dinner so you just you know it's part of the, you know it's why you're paid the big bucks you know suck it up eat it feel full and deal with it yeah what kind of style do you would you call your your cooking as opposed to you know others how would you describe it Definitely farm to table. Like I said, I go to the farmer's market. I try to source the best ingredients. I lived in Italy for eight years and there's farmer's markets everywhere in Italy. And I would just buy, every, how they shop in Italy is daily. You mm -hmm. just pick up a few items, you know that it was picked off that tree or pulled out of that ground. And you, you shop every day and you cook a little bit of food. You know, Italian families would have a tiny 
fridge because they're not stocking food and they're not snacking. So I go to the farmer's markets here. I, I, you know, have my fishmonger, I have my butcher, I just get the best cuts and everything organic. So it's definitely farm to table and I'm most comfortable cooking Italian food. So, you know, what am I making tonight? I'm actually, I'm going to Robbie's and I'm going to barbecue him steaks and I'm going to try it on the cast iron on the barbecue. And I'm going to give it a little butter base, a butter bath and rosemary and garlic. I'm doing it in a new way. I normally don't do it that way. But I'm going to cook him steak and I got some fresh asparagus and then a nice, you know, wild arugula salad. Uh, so he felt, he felt like steak tonight. But I'll make pasta, risotto. I do a chicken milanese, um, a big, you know, whole fish, uh, branzino on the barbecue, and lots, lots of salads and lots of veg. Um, I'll be right over. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> have you ever cooked on a big green egg? Have you done a smoker? Yes, I have a big green egg in Toronto all the time. Oh, okay. oh, we love it. But that's what, for me, for, for the COVID quarantine, we, we shop the same way, especially up here, because we're up in Caledon. There's a lot of, you know, farms, and we have our yeah. local butcher, and we couldn't do it. And I really missed that. Just going in and letting the ingredients decide what you wanted for dinner, not, oh, well, this is what we have in the house, and we have to do that. And I yeah. But that's what I really missed the most about it with, with cooking. Yeah, it's going to the farmer's market and like, what's the freshest, what looks the best? Yeah. And, then, and then working with that, you know, and if you look, you know, you know your way around, you know, healthy preparations of vegetables and salads and then easily grilled, you know, so easy to throw things on a grill and mm. just a little bit of olive oil, salt and pepper. So my, my, my cooking tends to be very simple, but the highest quality ingredients, I just, I will spend the most money on organic and the best quality. And a lot of people will say, Janet, you're such an amazing cook. And I'm like, really, it's great quality food. You know, great quality product, great quality food, tastes great and don't manipulate it a lot. Italian cooking is about not manipulating food a lot. Mm -hmm. um, with food changing so drastically from north of Italy to the south of Italy, is there a region or a particular place that you love to go back to the most? Traveling, I love, um, I love the north, I love Tuscany. I spent a lot of time traveling around Tuscany. Food-wise, I prefer a little bit more southern cooking, which uses a lot more of the tomatoes and the eggplant and uh, olive oil, as opposed to cream-based, I would say my preference, and that's how I was brought up on southern Italian food. Okay. So my palate, just, that's more comforting to me and familiar to me. Yeah. One more question for you. And then we'll let you go. Well, actually, we have rapid fire too, if you're up for that. But mm. sure. Describe your perfect Sunday. Maybe pre-COVID, post-COVID, whatever. But Sunday. Yeah. My, <laughs> my perfect Sunday is um, sleeping in a little bit with Robbie, and we're both we both intermittent fast, so it's great. And we just get up, relax read the newspaper, have a really calm morning. I would slip out then and go play tennis. And Robbie loves to just, you know, go up, work on maybe some music and he likes to have his alone time. So, and he really loves it. I just would slip out, have a great, you know, game of tennis, mm. um, stop maybe at a farmer's market, pick up some great food, go back, have a light little lunch. 
uh, go, he's got a pool, do a hot tub, lay by the pool, do more reading, and then, um, you know, cook a beautiful dinner outdoors on the barbecue and eat outside. That sounds like a perfect day. I am, <laughs> I am coming over this weekend. I know, I know. I, I just read rapid fire. Ooh, Are yes. you ready for it? Yeah. Okay. Right. Do you need a drink? <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. What did What did you want to be as a child? Um, an actress. Weren't you kind of though? I was a child actress. I did sixty commercials, um, musical theater. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Some little films and things like that. Yeah, I was a child actress. That's cool. Oh. Okay. Okay, uh, you're invited to a dinner party. What do you bring, I guess, pre-COVID and post-COVID? Is there a post-COVID yet? I'm not sure, but. Yeah, I don't know. What would I, what, oh, what would I bring as, um, like, a, a dish? Yes. Uh, whatever. Whatever. If you were going to a dinner party, what would you bring? Oh, I mean, what I would bring for, for I would, I'd pick out the most beautiful bottle of Brunello di Montalcino. I'd bring a beautiful bottle of wine. I love those. We are so inviting you to dinner. <laughs> you have any useless talents? Um, I can tap dance. That's cool. That is. Where, cool. Where's that video on Instagram? I want yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your best beauty tip? My best beauty tip is get sleep. Sleep for eight hours. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. Three words that would best describe you. Competitive. <laughs> Is it com um, competitive and competitive? <laughs> competitive, feisty, and uh, sensitive. Nice. That's a good combination. Mm -hmm. What's the worst gift you've ever gotten? You've ever re yeah, received? Um, yeah, yeah, oh my God, it's kind of a long story, but being a kid for Christmas, and I got one present, and it was a sewing kit, like to darn socks. Oh, a kid, you give, you give him a sewing kit and then a job. And then, so I got a sewing kit, and my sister got a pair of pajamas. Like, you hate, you hate, you're like, like you hate you, me no every kid hates like you get pajamas a kid it's like it's not a pretty dress it's pajamas right yeah so we bawled our eyes out the bald you know absolutely would not kind of come out of my room for hours i was so upset almost for the whole year the following christmas i got the pajamas and my sister <laughs> got the sewing set <laughs> that's great that's horrible. <laughs> what? You're like, are you people crazy? <laughs> yes. Trying to teach us some kind of lesson? I don't know. Oh, dear. <laughs> Most in interesting person you've ever met? Uh, Robbie Robertson. I knew you were going to say that. Well, he's so interesting. He really is. And he's really changed the course of music and He's a, a true artist and he keeps looking forward and keeps producing and he is so fascinating and interesting. Yeah. I love that. What's the last celebrity you've seen that you fan freaked out when you saw them? Well, um, you know, all of Robbie's friends are 
the biggest celebrities I think in the world. Like, you know, we go out for dinner. We had one dinner with Al Pacino, Leo DiCaprio, and Joe Pesci. How's that? Did you freak out? Like, yeah, I was, you know, it was at my restaurant and, you know, this is when the Irishman just launched and I'm I just, you know, I'm just in a booth with Pacino, Pesci, and Leo DiCaprio. And I, I was like looking around going, is this really happening to me? And I, I, I look over and there's a friend sitting at a table in my restaurant and this guy's going like, what's, what is, who, who are you? What are, I'm like, I know, they're Robbie's friends. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But how bad did yeah, you Yeah, I freaked like out. And the, the storytelling that night was wow. crazy, epic. I will remember for the rest of my life. Man. Okay, but was there a little part of you that wanted to rip your phone out and just be like, hey, selfie? <laughs> you know, all the time. But, you, you know, we, we, go out with, we go out with Marty Scorsese and, you know, uh, Robert De Niro, you know, having dinner with Robert De Niro. Uh, like, Brad Pitt. I mean, like, honestly, I could go. I could, I could list them all. That's uh, funny. And I'm, I'm, really... I'm, I always want to, like, and of course, no, I'm not going to, I absolutely zero yeah, percent chance that I'm going to be, but it'll be like, oh yeah, we were having dinner once with Bill Clinton, Leo DiCaprio, Pacino, yeah, and Bill Clinton. And I'm sitting here going, like, we went up to um, Bill Clinton's presidential suite at a, at a hotel. So we're all having dinner. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, and I was the only woman at the table. And I'm like, oh, I just want to. So then, then Leo DiCaprio says, Bill, we need a picture. And I'm like, yeah, I need one too. Yeah. <laughs> I, wait, I wait for a celebrity to say it. Then I'm like, yeah, well, I want, no, I actually said to him, like, Leo, you got to share. Send that picture to Robbie. And so I have that picture, a rare picture, uh, you know, with Pacino and, you know, the, the gang. Hi, cool. <laughs> Very nice. Cool. The, the, the coolest moment, I, I have to just share this. I sang at the Kennedy Center Honors um, a couple of years ago when Obama was president. And Snoop Dogg was also singing on it. And wow. people don't know this, but I'm, I'm like a big old Snoop Dogg fan. And so I go up to Snoop Dogg in the White House. They have a dinner beforehand. And my husband kept on saying, Sandra, Sandra, go on up to him and say hi. I was like, I can't do that. So I go up to him and I say, excuse me, Mr. Dog. Oh my God. I was just like an idiot, a complete bumbling idiot. And we had our rehearsal in the Kennedy Center Honor. And I said, you know, I'm the opera singer that's singing on the Kennedy Center Honor. And he says, oh yeah, I remember you. You were the one that was vibing with her pipes. <laughs> Moment in my life. <laughs> like you you just you'll never forget these moments yeah lucky we are we should is there anything else you want to to say to viewers or anything else you want to say to people out there now or you don't have to no i mean i would say that um a plea to support your local restaurants as i'm seeing you know these iconic restaurateurs close down permanently and restaurants need support right now and we have to think about the the economic dom domino effect of restaurants and then farmers and fishmongers and butchers and winemakers and commercial real estate and you know uh, we're the second biggest employer in the United States and in Canada and um, we 
we need support. And so that's it. Support your local restaurant. Yes. <laughs> Good luck with everything day. and hope your restaurants yeah. open up soon and, and they survive and all of that. So we're Thank wishing you the best. Thank Take you. Care. I appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. Okay. okay. You too. Bye.